Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for the words that our brothers and sisters shared with us tonight. You are the one, Lord Jesus. We honor you tonight. We bring, we, need, we bring praise to your name and we pause tonight to celebrate and thank you for all that you have done for us. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy and we thank you for your kindness and salvation coming and dying in our place that we might have life and hope and joy. We thank you, Lord, for this evening that we can gather here in person and also that there's a means for many of our people uh, to gather with us who cannot be here in person. So we join our hearts together in one spirit as we praise the Lord and honor the Lord Jesus Christ, for He alone is worthy of our praise, and we thank you, Lord, for it. While we have our heads bowed, let's pause and as we've been doing each Wednesday night, uh, ask the Lord to put on our hearts someone especially tonight that we're burdened about, we're thinking about whatever their condition, whatever their circumstances. Let's pause and, and let's present them to the Lord tonight. Heavenly Father, we bring all of us here who are your people, we bring these, our friends, before you. And we pray that you might do a special work in their life, whatever the need might be. You know what they need, and we pray that they might be saved, they might be restored to fellowship with you. We pray that they might be strengthened in their spiritual life, they might be healed from sickness, that they might be raised up from discouragement. Whatever it is, Lord, that may need to be done in their lives, may, may, may they sense and know at this very moment that their friends are praying for them. How we're grateful for that, for all who pray for us. And we thank you, Lord, that you pray for all of us who are your people. You forever are our intercessor before the Father, and we glorify you for it, and we thank you for being our great high priest. So we bring you these needs and petitions tonight. For our friends need grace and mercy, and so do we. Now bless our time in your word tonight and help us to see the responsibility we have to be obedient as followers of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good evening. Good to see all of you who are here in person and those of you who are joining us online. And I hear from many of you and God bless you. We miss you and we pray for the day that you can be joined back with us in person. And so for now, these are our circumstances. These are the days we have and this is the way we uh, find ourselves studying together. These days we're looking at the important subject of the call to Christian obedience. As a result of trusting Jesus Christ by faith, the next, the next part of what we do is we obey God. So before I go, I'm going to have you find your place in the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 will be my primary place tonight. I hope you got a copy, if you're in person, you got a copy of the outline. If you're watching online, you can go out to the website and you can download the outline that I'm using and uh, that'll help you to follow along. I'm going to add a few things here at the beginning uh, because I think these are some important things I want to say to you about this matter tonight. Tonight we think about the call to Christian obedience, fearing God. Fearing God. Now you found your place in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, now just as you have your Bible and your hands open there, go back to, uh, I, I want to read just a couple of places, go back to the 
book of 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles chapter number 22, 1 Chronicles 22. This is where David gives the charge and the challenge to the new king of Israel, Solomon. And he speaks to Solomon and gives him these very important words which will help us as we consider this subject of the fear of God. 1 Chronicles chapter 22, uh, beginning in verse number 12, I'm going to break in here uh, to what uh, David is saying to Solomon. Only, this is uh, 1 Chronicles twenty-two twelve. Only the Lord give you discretion and understanding and give you charge over Israel so that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then you will prosper if you are careful to observe the statutes and the ordinances which the Lord commanded Moses concerning Israel. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear nor be dismayed. So he reminds Solomon, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid as you lead Israel, but obey God. Now, if you'll also go back, I want you to see on back in your Bible to the book of Exodus, even prior to these days, back into the journeys of the children of Israel. I'd like for you to turn quickly to Exodus 20. In Exodus chapter 20, we have um, just after the, Moses presents the ten words to Israel, the Ten Commandments. In this powerful uh, reading we have of God's presence on the mountain and Moses presenting these words, <clears throat> we have here an example showing uh, that God's power and His work brings fear, the fear of God. So we read beginning in verse number 18. This is Exodus 20, 18. All the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when, they saw, and when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance from the mountain. <clears throat> then they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen. But, do, but, but let not God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to all the people, do not be afraid. For God has come in order to test you and in order that the fear of him may re remain with you so that you may not sin. The great lesson here from Moses is the reminder is as we see the awesome, powerful work of God and we recognize the majesty of God and the commandments which He has given to us, the Ten Words, the Ten Commandments that show us our sinfulness, <clears throat> Moses' words remind us that fearing God when it remains with us keeps us from sin. When we fear God... And when we fear God, this is an act of obedience, fearing God. That's what I'm talking about tonight. Fearing God protects us from sin. Then I have one other example for you from the New Testament. I'd like for you to go to the book of Luke. <clears throat> and in Luke chapter 5, <clears throat> I want to read these words to you that I think will be also helpful for us as we're looking today at these words. Luke 5, this is the calling of the first disciples. We can see the story in our mind and 
Luke 5, 3, And he, the Lord Jesus, got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked Simon to put out a little way from the land, and he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him. The word is fear. And all his companions, because of the catch of fish, which they had taken, and so so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Here we see that Peter and James and John, because of the awesome work of the Lord Jesus Christ, only what God could do, filling their boats with fish, so overwhelmed Peter and James and John, and we see especially Peter here, he falls on his knees in the boat and says, Depart from me, you see. The fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord Jesus Christ in His majesty and glory leads us to call Him Lord and be committed to Him as a disciple for the rest of our life. So now we come to our principal passage, which is over in the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. So we come to the very end of the book of Ecclesiastes, and these are the final words of Solomon. Solomon ends this book, has a number of things to say in chapter 12 that are very familiar to us about uh, the importance of remembering our Creator in the days of our youth before the evil days come of old age and death. And those are the words in Ecclesiastes 12, 1 through 8. But then we read at the very bottom these words, verses 12, chapter 12, Ecclesiastes, verses 13 and 14. The conclusion... When all has been heard is, fear God and keep His commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Heavenly Father, bless the reading of Your Word tonight. And may the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher now in all of our hearts. May we have focus and attention. May we truly hear What you have to say to us, Holy Spirit, please teach us now. Forgive us of our distractions and forgive us of our inability sometimes to hear. May we truly hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we've learned that the Lord Jesus Christ is the greatest example of obedience. We learn to obey Him like He obeyed the Father. We learn that obedience and our call to obedience is first, love the Lord your God with all your heart your soul, your mind, and your strength. We learn then also that 
In order to be obedient to God, we must love our neighbor as ourself. Now we come to this uh, fourth uh, characteristic or third characteristic of what it means to obey God, and it is to fear God. These are verbs. These are verbs we read in verse 13. Fear God. It's an act. It's not a thought. It's an act. With your mind, you fear God and keep His commandments. Please notice how those are linked together. Fearing God and obeying God applies to every person. So it's our responsibility tonight to understand this focal truth that Christians obey God when they fear God. I ask you tonight, do you understand and do you practice and are you living as a Christian? That's who's primarily listening to me tonight. So I'll talk to us as brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you fear God? Is there in your life a true, reverent fear for God? Do you recognize the glory of His person? Have you seen the, the magnificence of His work and how He saves and how He works and what He does in your own life so that it has brought out of you a wonder, an astonishment, an awe, a reverence for God? Look all around you in the Christian world. Don't look at the world. Look around at what God is doing in the lives of multitudes of people around the world today. The fear of God comes as we see the work of God. And so I ask you today, where are you in your mind? Are you looking at the works of man? Are you looking at your own works? And then I ask you this, who are you afraid of? Who are you afraid of? What do you fear today? Boy, that's a good topic for these days. What do you fear? Well, with these things in mind, I'm just going to take apart verses 13 and 14 and give you the outline tonight. It's very simple. Make some observations and then we'll be on our way. Number one, fearing God is an act of obedience. He says, Solomon says, fear God. So fear is, as we've talked about, you've heard it many times. We talk about these words almost in an apologetic way. I have no me, I am not going to apologize for saying to you, you ought to fear God in everything that that means. There is a, there is a attitude about living and walking with God in our world, this familiarity that we have that, uh, that we sometimes uh, cross over the line and begin to dishonor God in His nature and character and His work by the way we treat and speak to Him. I say to you all the time, and I mean it with all my heart, the Lord Jesus Christ is His name. The Lord Jesus Christ. And so we honor Him by calling Him Lord Jesus Christ. We are told by the Lord Jesus Christ to pray our Father who is in heaven. And we honor and glorify the work of the Holy Spirit in our, God, in our lives when we don't grieve the Holy Spirit by sinning against Him. Fearing God is an act of obedience. It is reverence. It is awe. It is respect. So I ask you again, are you showing respect to God? Well, when you show respect to God, you obey Him. That's what you taught your children. That's what you taught them. That's what you teach your grandchildren and your greats. 
You say to them, if you love me, you'll do what I say. You teach them to show respect by doing what they're told, commanded to do. This is the lesson of childhood. It's what all of us learn. Some of us grow up and forget those lessons. But the fear of God is reverence and awe. The bowing before God, bowing our heart and our mind. Fearing God is an act of the mind. It's not just a thought of the mind. I've put it here, it's an act of the mind. The fear of God, as Moses said, will keep you from sin. You see, this is the good thing. When I'm, when I'm considering sin and I'm contemplating it and it's in my mind, bring the fear of God. Bring the glory of God back before your face. Bring, bring the fact of who He is and all of His character and His grace and His mercy. Think about the Lord Jesus Christ's death on the cross for you as we're doing these days. It will bring the great fear of God back to your life. Fear of God is an act of the emotions. It's emotional to fear God. It's not just something in your head that you think about. It's an act of emotion and it has emotional impact on you when you fear God. Fearing God is an act of the will. I choose. You see, it's an act of the will. It's obeying. Obedience is an act of the will. And fearing God is an act of the will. So <clears throat> what did the Lord Jesus say? Luke 12, <clears throat> 4 and 5. I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. But I will warn you. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I will warn you to fear. Fear the one who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear Him. The Lord Jesus Christ has challenged us, exhorted us as followers of Jesus to fear God. Fearing God removes the fear of man. Are you afraid of people today? Are you afraid of someone? You see, if you're afraid of someone, you do whatever you can to please them. You have these, we have these bizarre ways in which we live because we're afraid of someone or some group. Are you afraid of man? Are you afraid of man? Do you have fear of man? Psalm 29, 25, the fear of man brings a snare. If you're fearing men and women today, if you're fearing another person, you're trapped in a snare. But he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. Isaiah 51, 17, listen to me, you who know righteousness, a people in whose heart is my law, do not fear the reproach of man, nor be dismayed at their revilings. That's what our Lord, the Lord had no fear of man. The Lord did not fear before the Sanhedrin. He did not fear before the high priest. He did not fear before those rough Rough and crude Roman soldiers he did not fear before Pilate or Herod. He did not fear man. And in the midst of their revilings, their ridicule, he remained silent. Are you afraid of somebody today? Then you're trapped in a place you need to get out of. The fear of God removes the fear of death and uncertainty. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So you see, fearing God is an act of obedience. Secondly, fearing God produces obedience. 
to God's commands. Look at this link together. Fear God and keep His commandments. What does the Hebrew word keep mean? Well, it's used in various ways. I've given you three ways that you can use the word keep. It is to guard something. You keep it. You guard it. The Word of God and the commands of God are precious, my friend. They must be hidden in your heart as I have given you here. Your Word have I treasured in my heart, hidden in my heart, that I may not sin against you. When I have the Word of God in my heart and mind, when my emotions are affected by the Word of God, and when my thinking is influenced by the truth of God's Word, and I treasure the truths of God's Word more than what I hear on the news or from somebody else or how I focus my mind, I guard and treasure and pay attention to the Word of God. I keep the Word of God. This is the appeal over and over in the book of Proverbs. We we spent years in the book of Proverbs going along looking at this important truth of giving diligence to pay attention, pay attention diligently, hear the Word of God, Learn the Word of God, memorize the Word of God, and meditate on it. So keeping God's Word, obeying God's Word, means also to treasure it and to guard it. Are you allowing other things to push out the Word of God from your mind? Really, truly, what's filling your mind tonight? What what was on your list when you came in here tonight? say, oh, Pastor Mike, I'd never want you to know. That's okay. God knows already what was on your list. He knows what you're thinking about now. Have you allowed the cares and worries of the world? Boy, we got a lot of those, don't we? Have you allowed the cares and worries? I'm talking to my friends who cannot, cannot see you. Have you allowed the cares and worries and fears of the world to choke out the Word of God? You must guard the Word of God. Fear of God and obedience go together. Fearing God produces. When I fear God, I want to do what He wants me to do. Those of us who grew up and had discipline in our home, which is lacking today, that's why we're having some of the problems we are with younger people, young adults in this world today. They've never had any discipline. They act like it is grown-ups, spoiled brats, doing whatever they want. If you grew up in a home with any kind of discipline, you had a healthy fear of those who disciplined you because they gave you direction and when you didn't do what they said, you knew there were consequences for it. Fearing God reminds us, this is, this is the truth that I, I could go to so many places in the Word of God where we are reminded that if you obey God, there are blessings. If you disobey God, there are curses. You reap what you sow. So I ask you tonight, fearing God produces obedience to God's commandments. And the linking of the keeping of the commandments is because I have not only loved God, but I fear Him. Lovingly fearing God leads to obedience. Third, everyone is accountable to obey God. What? That's right. Preacher standing here before you, I'm accountable to obey God. And everyone hearing my voice or seeing me and listening to me, You're accountable to obey God. Everyone will give an account. Even the lost world is responsible to obey God, but they disobey God. What does Paul tell us? The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Romans chapter 1. 
It is the reality that the lost man or woman in the world hears God's truth and knows what it is, but they refuse to obey it. They disobey God's word. But we are all accountable for our obedience or disobedience to God. Every one of us, folks. I am responsible as a follower of Jesus even when I have disobeyed God. You know, there are things that go on in our lives as Christians and we've displeased God, haven't we, after we got saved. And so everyone is accountable. And so I like the way that uh, Solomon says it. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is number one, fear God. Number two, keep His commandments because... This applies to every person. You know, there's some people who don't think anything applies to them. Some people like that go to church. They can say whatever they want, do whatever they want. Doesn't matter what the Word of God says. Doesn't matter how other people feel. They're going to do what they want. Doesn't apply to me. It's a big problem in our world today. I can do whatever I want and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what the laws may be of the country. It doesn't matter what the laws of God's Word are. Doesn't apply to me. I'm different. I'm an exception. I'm an exception. Do you ever consider that when you read God's word, when you pray, or when you're when you're lovingly dealing with your little pet secret sin that you don't want to give up? You see, you're accountable to God for everything you do. And you will answer for everything you do. Deuteronomy 10, 12, way back in Moses' day. Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? I know this is under the law, but though this is a law statement, it is true for us as we've seen in the gospel day. Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you but to fear your God, to walk in all His ways and love Him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now if you have that before you on the outline, you can read it easily. If you're, reading, if you're out listening to us, I'm looking at Deuteronomy 10.12. There are some elements of this I want to take just a moment and point out. What does the Lord require for you? There's a require. God has requirements for all of us. He has requirements for the lost to be saved. He has requirements for those of us who are saved and how we're to live. What does the Lord require? Fear Him, number one. Two, walk in all His ways. That's right. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We follow Him. He is the way. We follow His ways. We learn to speak as He spoke. We learn to think as He thought. We learn to live as He lived. We learn to pray and worship and glorify God the way He did. We learn to obey as He did. We walk in His ways. And we love Him. We fear, we love, we follow, and we serve the Lord wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly. We serve the Lord wholeheartedly. And with all of our soul, with all of our strength and being, we serve Him just like we love Him. Love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And now we find this, Deuteronomy 10, 12, and you serve the Lord with all your heart. Are you serving God? You see, when I fear God, I serve Him completely. Micah 6, 8 and 9. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? 
but to do justice. To love kindness. Love kindness. Love kindness. Love kindness. Hear the word of God. Love do justice. Love kindness. And walk humbly with God. The voice of the Lord will call to the city and it's and it is sound wisdom to fear your name. Hear, O tribe, who has appointed its time. Job 31, 14. What then could I do when God arises? And when He calls me to account, what will I answer to Him? That's the question I have for you tonight. What will you answer to God when He calls you for your accountability day? It is coming. It is coming. The world tries to block this out. The world tries to drown it out and to get you back focused on your own things and on today as if there'll never be a tomorrow. Some people's days ended today, sadly, in death. Others tomorrow as time marches on. There are those born into this world and there are those who die. What will, you, what will you answer to God when you give account, not for me, not me answering for you, I have to answer for myself. What will I say? How will I respond in my day of accountability to God? Romans 14, 12, so then each of us, how did Solomon say it? He said this applies to every person. Each of us will give an account of himself. Now, Lord, you know, you know what my husband was doing. No. You know how my kids were. You know what a mean boss I had. You know how hard it was I didn't have any money in my life. No. Each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Mike, what have you done with your days and your time? How did you spend your day today, my friend? I want you to think back just for a moment. Think about the hours. It's 7, 14, and 16 seconds. How did you spend your day today? Was there anything that you did in your day today that has anything to do with eternal things? Anything at all? How did you spend your day? You will account for this day to God. Third, a fourth, or third. God will judge every act of obedience or disobedience. Notice this again. The conclusion when all has been said is this. Fear God, keep His commandments, because this applies to every person. Verse 14, Ecclesiastes 12, 14. For God will bring every act to judgment. <clears throat> God will bring every act to judgment. God will judge every act. Some acts are obedience. Some are acts of disobedience. Psalm 9, 8 reminds us of the great truth of the Lord Jesus Christ's coming day of judgment. And He will judge the world in righteousness. He will execute judgment for the peoples with equity. Acts 17, 31. <clears throat> this is when Paul's speaking to a group of philosophers and the most educated uh, 
city in the world of the time, Athens, Greece. He has fixed a day. Here's the courage of Paul. He speaks this to the intellectuals. He has fixed a day, intellectuals, smart people. He has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. What gives the Lord Jesus Christ the authority to be judge? He is risen from the dead, ascended, and he is now king, high priest in heaven. John 5.22, for not even the Father judges anyone. Read these astounding words. I'm reading them here. John 5.22, these are the Lord Jesus' words. For not even the Father judges anyone, but He has given all judgment to the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who hung on the cross crying out in pity and agony for something to drink, as I have said over and over, let that just roll through your mind, the creator of all things begging for something to drink and finally bowing his head and dying, now stands as the eternal judge of all who will ever live or who have ever lived on this planet. That's what the world needs to hear. Judgment is coming for all of this. So that all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. You see, if I don't honor the Son, that means I don't fear Him and obey Him. That's how you show honor. You love, you fear, and you obey. Well, Pastor Mike, I like a more familiar, friendly kind of a gospel, do you? Jesus is just your buddy, but you can kind of do whatever you want. He's just kind of like one of your pals that winks his eye and says, yeah, I understand. No. No, this is a serious matter of the condition of your soul and mind, my friend. Fearing God is a sobering thing. It is what will keep you from sin and it will protect you in the day of accountability when you stand before God and it's coming for every one of us. None of us in this room, none one, no one listening to me, and no one on the planet, whether they receive it or not, will escape accountability day. Romans 14.10, why do you judge your brother? Paul asks. Why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. All of us in this room, along with this entire church, and all who call their names Christians who are part of First Baptist Church, will all stand and we will be judged before the seat of God by the Lord Jesus Christ. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed or repaid or paid for his deeds in the body according to what he's done, whether good or bad. Finally, God will judge all the hidden acts of obedience or disobedience. Notice what Solomon says finally here. He says, verse 14, God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. <clears throat> Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, 5, Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before time, but wait until 
the Lord comes who will bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. We don't know all the motivations of people around us and why they do what they do. But one day all motivation will be revealed. All secret words will be heard. And all acts of obedience or disobedience will be revealed on accountability day. Romans 2.16, on that day when according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus. Just know today your secrets are already known by God and one day they will be known before the judgment bar of God. What did the Lord say over and over about righteousness? Don't do what you do righteously. Don't live as a Christian so that you can be seen for your righteousness and be congratulated on how spiritual you are. He said so that when you give, give in secret, your Father who sees what is done in secret will, will, will reward you. The Lord sees what you're doing in obedience. Don't make a big deal out of it. You don't have to put it on Facebook. You don't have to send around a memo. You don't have to text everybody. When you pray, go to your inner room, close your door and pray to your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Do, not, do, do, do that uh, your fasting will not be noticed. Don't fast so that you'll be noticed by men, but by your Father who's in secret and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. God will judge all hidden acts of obedience or disobedience. What you've done for the Lord will never be forgotten, even though sometimes you cry and whine because nobody really appreciates what you do. What kind of talk is that? That's pity talk. That's selfish talk. Wait for the Lord to reward you. That's the one that will really matter. Love your enemies... And do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will also be sons of the Most High. May I listen, listen to this last phrase of Luke 6.35, the Lord Jesus said, for, for God Himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. I'm not going to be nice to those people. I'm not going to be kind to them because they're mean people. I'm going to read it again. For He Himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. And I count myself in that. I'm so grateful for the kindness of the Lord to me and my ungratefulness and in my evil. So what do we learn tonight from all of these things? I try to exhort you. I love you in Jesus, but these things are very important for us. And these days, uh, what I've called this is a call to Christian obedience. So I'm calling you out here. Fear God. Number one, fearfulness of man leads to disobedience to God. You'll never obey God if you're fearful of people. And you'll never please God if you're trying to please people. For the pleasers in here. I want you to think about the, the second thing I've said here. I, I could elaborate, but I don't have as much time. Man fear is idolatry to God. Because you're placing man in the place of, of the Lord. You see, if I fear man, I'm not fearing God. You can't do both. And man fear is idolatry. If that's what you're doing tonight as a Christian, you're committing idolatry. You must confess your sin of idolatry. And oh, by the way, what I do reveals what I fear. 
You see, when you fear somebody, boy, you just do everything you can to try to make them happy, don't you? You don't want them to hurt you. You don't want them to speak evil of you. You don't want them to be mean to you. We live in this bizarre, bizarre routine of going through this motion over and over again. <clears throat> this abusive craziness. This, this addiction to this fearing someone and trying to please them and never being satisfied. You see, when you fear somebody, you do things. If you fear God, you will do things for God. That's how I can measure my obedience. That's like a gauge. That's a meter. How am I in my obedience to God? Well, apparently, I don't fear God much because I'm not doing what I need to do. Remember, God sees everything you do and you can't hide from Him. Just because you've never said it doesn't mean He didn't hear it. Just because you didn't say it doesn't mean God didn't hear it. Surrender your hiddenness to the Lord as an act of fearing Him. Surrender it. Surrender your hiddenness and all your secrets. Bring them captive to the obedience of Christ. You are responsible to God for all your actions. You don't get a pass by blaming someone else. Irresponsibility doesn't come because you have hard problems and suffering. There's not a Christian I know who doesn't suffer. You're responsible for your actions even in your deep suffering and in your greatest joys. The best protection from sin is fearing God. Again, what did, what did Moses say? I, I'm trying to stress this. What did Moses say again to the children of Israel? Exodus 20, 21. For God has come in order to test you and in order that the fear of Him may remain with you so that you may not sin. So tonight, daily use. What do we do? Well, ask yourself, as I've been asking you all along, are you living today in the fear of God? Love God and fear God, rejoicing in His love and care for you. That's, they go together. These are not... These are not contradictions. Loving and fearing God are both the emotions and passions of a soul who loves Jesus Christ. And then I, I give you this verse as we conclude. When Samuel was, <clears throat> he gathered all of Israel together as Saul was anointed king. <clears throat> and in 1 Samuel 12, 24, Samuel makes this great statement. Only fear the Lord... Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things He has done for you. So now I have just a few seconds left. Number one, notice what's linked together. Fear God and serve Him with all your heart. If I fear God, I'm going to give Him my absolute best. I'm going to give Him all of me. I'm going to do everything I can till I am exhausted. If I fear Him out of my love and fear for God, I am going to serve Him 
in truth <clears throat> with all my heart. That's such an important truth. But there's something else here I want you to see. The last phrase. You know how you can grow in your fear of God? This is as practical as I can get. You know how you can, you know how you can improve your fear for God? Do the last thing that Samuel said. Consider what great things He has done for you. No, not your neighbor. No, not your family. No, not your church. You. Have you considered, have you sat down in your busyness and considered and meditated and contemplated and reflected deeply about all the great things He has done for you, go back in your life. Go back. Most of you in this room are older with me. Go back. Go back. The decades, go back. You've been blessed to live the amount of days you have. Some of you way past the promise of 70. Go back. Go back. Remember all those things God was doing for you? Remember all of those things? All the ways He saved you, all the ways He protected you, all the ways He guided you, all the ways He brought people into your life, all the ways He provided miraculously for you? Consider all the great things He has done for you. That will stir a healthy fear of God. And some of you ought to do it tonight before you go to bed. I tell you a secret. It would be better for you than turning on the news and hearing what you heard, what, an hour and a half ago? Do it. It's for your soul's good. Fear God. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep His commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. May the Lord bless our time in His Word tonight and may the Lord bless you all. God bless you, my dear brothers and sisters. Let's pray. So now, Heavenly Father, we have heard your word. Now we pause for just a moment and we ask, Holy Spirit of God, take these truths and before we leave this place and go to distraction, speak to us now. Now, Heavenly Father, help us to Obey, help us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. To the glory of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. In whose name we pray. Amen. God bless you. May the Lord bless you. Have a great week. And Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday either here in person or online. God bless you to all of our friends who are listening in. Have a great evening. God bless you. Say hello to somebody on your way out. <laughs>